0: An Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, a world government, world religion, and precursors to the mark of the beast, and many other prophecies all in the headlines. We'll analyze these events on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. read an article the other day that said about 50% of people that consider themselves Christians believe that we are in the end time. But a lot less, just a fraction of that uh, portion of people believe that the Lord will come will return to gather the Christians unto Him or that the second coming or the rapture would occur during their lifetime. But I'm here to tell you that the prophecies are all converging at the same time. And that's what my program is going to be geared towards today is just showing you how many of those things that are happening as we speak. Actually, all the prophecies that are supposed to occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, have either already come to pass, they're happening right now, or we're watching precursors to every single one of them. Let me prove that to you. In Daniel nine twenty seven, it prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in the Promised Land. Now, To to figure all that out, you have to look at all the prophecies pertaining to that, all the scriptures pertaining to this verse. I'm not going to take time to go through all of them today, but I've heard people say, well, Daniel 9.27 says nothing about an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. Well, of course it doesn't have the words Israeli and Palestinian in it, right? And it doesn't say peace agreement. However... When you look at all of the other prophecies pertaining to this verse and what is the results of this Antichrist confirming the covenant, then you can figure it all out. But if you don't look at all the other verses and if you just look at Daniel 9, 27, you say, oh no. But once you understand the prophecies as a whole and everything that pertains to this verse, then it makes perfect sense. So, this peace agreement will be a seven-year temporary agreement. It's only going to be seven years, an interim agreement, and it's going to be temporary because the status of Jerusalem is going to be left unsolved all the way to the end. But they're they're going to say, hey, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's get everything we can at the beginning, and we'll deal with Jerusalem later. So the creation of this Palestinian state in Judea It's very important because they're talking about in many major news sources today, especially the Israeli news sources. This peace agreement, the prophesied peace agreement, will provide for a Palestinian state in the West Bank. And historically and biblically, this area is referred to as Judea. The prophesied agreement is also going to allow Jews in Judea or the modern-day West Bank, to remain as a Jewish minority under the new Palestinian state. All of these people that are living out right now there right now in the settlements and everything, that is one of the big disputes in this new coalition, this new government that Netanyahu is trying to form. It is reported that he will announce that he has been able to form a coalition tomorrow. We'll have to see, because as you've seen in Israeli politics, anything can happen. But we're we're watching as the, the um, prophecy that's laid out in the Bible is exactly what's happening and what's being talked about in the major Israeli news sources right now. Now, we know that the Jews will be allowed to live out there as a Jewish minority from the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 24, verses 15 through 18, and verse 21. It's very important that you read all of those. Because Jesus said, when you therefore... Now, he's in the Olivet Discourse here. He's talking about things that will occur just prior to his second coming. He's de- he is describing the end of the age here. And he says, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel 9.27. That's why it's important to understand all the verses that pertain to Daniel 9.27 and the results of all of that. If you don't understand all that, then I've heard people teach all kinds of things about Daniel 9.27. But we've got to get it right because we're watching this stuff happening as we speak. So Jesus said, When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet Stand in the holy place, down there on the Temple Mount, which he was overlooking. He, him and his disciples were up there on the, Olivet, the Mount of Olives. He's teaching the Olivet Discourse. He says, stand in the holy place down there. Whoso readeth, let him understand. And then it, uh, in verse uh, 16, it says, Then let them which be in Judea, those in the West Bank, modern day. Remember, he's teaching about teaching about the end of age. Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which uh, they are on the housetop, don't go back in to get anything out of your house. Neither let him which is out in the field, don't go back to get your clothes. You're going to hit the ground running when you hear of this event, when an Antichrist, this world leader, will stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple and proclaim to be God. When you see that event happen, there's going to be something that ignites the Palestinians and there's going to be mass slaughter. And you, Jesus said, when that happens, you hit the ground running. Don't go back into your house to get your stuff. Just run and go into Israel proper. That's why it's important that everybody understands Israel proper today and the West Bank region. You can go look at maps. This is one of the neat things that's coming up in the very near future for end time. I've got a 40-foot LED screen behind me. All you can see now is a portion of that. When the time comes that we can, when we get the new cameras... We're going to be able to use the entire screen. Open this up. This is all going to be happening hopefully in January. And I'll be able to have maps and videos and be able to walk up and down here and teach from the whole thing. It's going to be awesome. These are the things, some of the things that are coming up in the very near future. But you can go to the Internet and look up maps of Israel, and you can see Israel proper and then the West Bank, areas that were taken in the 1967 Six Days War. Well, that's what Jesus is referring here. When you see the abomination of desolation, man, you you that are in Judea, you hit the ground running. Go into Israel proper. And there are ways to prove. There are scriptures that I can use to prove that the um, Jews in Judea will go into Israel, not down into Petra, but they will go into Israel. Uh, the Bible says in Zechariah that Judah will be fighting in Jerusalem at the time of the Battle of Armageddon. They're not going to be hiding out down in somewhere. They're going to be in Jerusalem. That's where they will flee to and that's one of the big things End Time Ministries is going to help with in the end time is helping those people know what to do because these are New Testament prophecies and the Jews don't follow the New Testament so somebody has to warn them.
1: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time. Understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com/future or call 800 time That's 800-363-8463.
2: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry.
1: Dave Robbins, the host of the end of the age, television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call one 800 end or visit endtime.com slash events for more information.
0: Now, when we're talking about this peace agreement, Jesus is laying a scenario out here in Matthew 24. Let them which be in Judea flee. Why? Because verse 21 there says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. So in this passage, Jesus is hes painting a picture of the Jews living under a hostile government in Judea. When the abomination of desolation occurs, halfway through that final seven-year period, because the peace agreement starts the final seven years, the Jews living in Judea will have to flee for their lives. And this event will launch that final three-and-one-half-year period called the Great Tribulation. There's no scriptures in the Bible for a seven-year. It's very important. I've got people sending me timelines and stuff all the time, and I'm saying, but there's no such thing. There's no scriptures for a seven-year tribulation. But there are many scriptures that prove there's only a three-and-one-half-year Great Tribulation. Okay, There is a final seven-year period, but the Great Tribulation only lasts the final three-and-one-half years of that. Now, amazingly, the scenario that Jesus painted 2,000 years ago on the Olivet Discourse is exactly what is presently being discussed alongside Netanyahu's government and how it could possibly bring a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The Palestinians contend that the only hope for peace between them and the Israelis is a two-state solution, right? What they really would like to happen is to liberate Israel, uh, liberate that land, I should say, of any Jews. That's what they really would like to see happen. However, in the eyes of the international community, they're pushing for this two-state solution, at least in the beginning. And they claim that their state should be established in Judea and the, the West Bank and the United States, the European Union, and the United Nations. The international community as a whole all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. I do not, I, I, if I were Israel, I would never do that. They're, they're going against the Bible to do that. Because the Bible, God told um, Israel, you go and inhabit the land. Don't don't sign any covenants with the heathen. They're not supposed to do that. But the Bible says they're going to. They're going to disobey God and do that in the very near future. Well, Israeli prime minister, um, back when he was, well, so it looks like he's getting ready to be Israeli prime minister again. But Benjamin Netanyahu, years ago, Embraced the two-state solution as and the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now I understand that over the last few years he's been very um, been very effective in avoiding that. But he's a, he's a politician. You have to understand Netanyahu. He is a politician, and there is a possibility that in their future, even under a Netanyahu government, that this. Peace, uh, peace agreement could get across the finish line. Now, the UN Secretary General, the current UN Secretary General, Guterres, Antonio Guterres, he stated the other day that, um, or I, I should say recently, that resolving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict was key to sustainable peace in the Middle East. The international community recognizes this, that if somehow they could solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, then Everybody else, would, everything, everybody else would fall into line. So it's a big deal. And this is the exact scenario that Jesus was painting back in Matthew 24. Again, that's why I said you've got to understand all of the verses that go along with uh, Daniel 9 to figure out that, what the peace agreement's all about and everything. If you don't understand that, then you're going to be stuck. And I've heard people teach all kinds of things and we want to get it right. okay? So, the, a few articles here. I want to pull some excerpts from and share with you. The European Parliament. Now, again, that's a 2,000-year-old prophecy. The European Parliament published an article. Israel and Palestine, the members of Parliament, have called for a European peace initiative. Remember, it's been mostly the United States up to this point. But they're saying in this article that the European Union, the reborn Holy Roman Empire, that's prophetic as well, should promote an international conference to recover the two-state solution in order to guarantee lasting peace between Israel and Palestine. You understand the European Union, the um, European experience, the revived Holy Roman Empire, that is the model for world government in the earth. And that's going to be the power base of the Antichrist before this is all over with. Powers are going to swing from the uh, United States over to Europe. And that's where the Antichrist will come from. And so there's many prophecies in play here. The Bible says the Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many. So in a resolution approved last Wednesday, the European Parliament called for an end to the prolonged Israeli-Palestinian conflict And the occupation of Palestinian territories, they say, I'm not saying the occupation, that's disputed territory. Because God gave Israel that land thousands of years ago to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that lineage, all the way to today, forever. But the international community calls it occupied territory. When you hear that term in the news, you can think, nope, that's absolutely diametrically opposed to the word of God. It's disputed territory. It's not occupied. Israel is not occupying land illegally. That is a false narrative, folks. That's Israel's land given to them by Almighty God. And so, but the the members of parliament in the European Union, they're saying that, hey, that we need to get something done to and have this peace initiative to do something with the occupied Palestinian territories that and ask for a real peace talks to be resumed. Now, they were reiterating unwavering support for this negotiated two state solution based on 1967 borders within two sovereign democratic states and Jerusalem as their capital. Now, you can get an idea because Israel's never going to divide Jerusalem ever again. So you can see why we say that the, the uh, status of Jerusalem is going to be put off to the end of the seven-year period. That's really what the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought over. So these members of parliament in the European Union, they're urging that the international community will support Israel and Palestine in negotiations leading to a final agreement on the status and mutual recognition of Israel, Jerusalem, this um, two-state solution. They're pushing, pushing, pushing for this as we speak. And it's a 2,000-year-old prophecy that we're watching the ongoing fulfillment of. It hasn't, we haven't seen the culmination of it, but they're pushing for it all along here. Now, the Jerusalem Post posted an article that the Israeli-Saudi peace can solve the Palestinian conflict. Netanyahu has said this just recently. So you understand when Donald Trump come into office that he tried to get a regional peace deal done. That's what led to the Abraham Accords eventually. He didn't just try to drag Israel and Palestinians to a negotiating table because that's never worked. Because the Palestinians had a a veto power. But when the Abraham Peace Accords was signed... That took away the veto power because uh, the Palestinians would just get up and walk away. Hey, we don't like this. We're, we're not going to do it. They get up and walk away because the Arab Peace Initiative won't allow us to do it. No negotiations, not going to happen. Well, when the Abraham Accords was signed between the United Arab Emirates and Morocco and, and Bahrain and some others, then that took away the veto power now that, that hey, no Arab nation would normalize relations with Israel until the um, Israeli-Palestinian, there was a solution to that. Well, Netanyahu is saying, well, if I can get Saudi Arabia on board, many other nations would then come on board, and that would lead eventually to a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it very well might. If you understand the influence that Saudi Arabia has in the region... So the articles stated that a normalization deal between Israel and the Saudi Arabia could be part of that new initiative, a new peace initiative, that could solve the conflict between Jews, the Jewish state, and the Palestinians. And this is being talked about by Prime Minister Netanyahu. He just said this recently in an extensive video interview with the Dubai-based Al-Arabia in English. He actually said, and I'm going to quote, he said, I think we can end the Arab-Israeli conflict and achieve peace with the Palestinians. We just have to be creative about it. He said, I look forward to discussing this with Arab leaders and the Palestinians themselves. Well, Bahrain's foreign minister, Abdullah Ta'if bin Rashid al-Zahani, say that one real fast five times, he told Israel reporters last week that, including the Jerusalem Post, that no other Arab countries would join unless progress was toward a two-state resolution to the conflict, which is what the Arab Peace Initiative said originally. However, four nations have already done that. So Netanyahu, who, who was prime minister when the accords were signed, you remember back under Donald Trump, and uh, he left office in 2021, but he has long argued that Israel must take peace first, must make peace first with the Arab nations, and then that would lead then to the Palestinian a negotiate, a negotiated peace agreement with them. Well, on Thursday, he spoke of the possibility that the Saudis' deal could be part of a larger initiative that could then lead to peace with both the Israeli Arab neighbors and the Palestinians. Even as he refrained from using the word the Palestinian statehood. So he's he's a very good politician. And he said, we can have a new peace initiative that will form a quantum leap for the resolution of both the Arab-Israeli conflict and the ultimate peace in Israeli, uh, Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Netanyahu said that. So, um, he said, I'm referring to what could be a truly remarkable historic peace with the Saudi Arabia. So, Um, And he said it will change our region in ways that are unimaginable and I think it will facilitate ultimately this Palestinian-Israeli peace. So Netanyahu, who it's possible that he could uh, have his government already formed and be going to announce that tomorrow. I've read articles on that. Again, anything could happen. He's already saying if I could get something done with with the Saudi Arabia and I saw, I think it was Danny Danan. Who was Israel's um, ambassador to the UN? I just saw a week. I think it was about a week ago that he said it's very likely that Saudi Arabia would find a normaliz- sign a normalization deal with Israel over the uh, within the next year. Said it was very likely. Well, if that's the case, a lot of other Arab partners would come on board uh, and then possibly lead to an Israeli Palestinian peace agreement. You understand? That's a 2,000-year-old prophecy, folks. And I know they've been talking about it for years, but it's on the ongoing fulfillment of this. Things are happening right now that were unprecedented prior to President Trump coming into office. The, 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 the possibility of Arab nations signing a normalization deal with Israel prior to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict being uh, ironed out, that was unheard of. But now... Four nations have signed, and many others are in the wings, according to Netanyahu. So, Newsmax reported, I got one other article and then we'll move on to something else, but Newsmax reported that Netanyahu, is, Netanyahu returns. Will Middle East peace have a chance? According to um, I-24 in Israel, which is an Israeli news site, Ben Salman of Saudi Arabia listed three main demands, all referred to Washington. And he said, number one, an affiliation of the U.S.-Saudi alliance, a commitment to follow through on weapons supplies as though Saudi Arabia were like a NATO-like country, which they're not, and an agreement that will allow the Saudis to exploit their extensive uranium reserves for a restricted civil nuclear program. Well, you understand that in the past, the Saudis have consistently pointed out that Israel had to make peace with the Palestinians before they would make a move. But according to I-24, this is no longer the case. If you follow this stuff, everybody, this stuff is huge. This could lead to an Israeli-Palestinian deal. Today, the Saudis have decoupled a normalization agreement from the progress on an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. It's huge. Someone needs to ask President Biden if he believes... The Saudi Arabia's three demands are worth a normalization agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia. It could open the door to so much stuff in the Middle East. Again, folks, I want you to understand, we talk about this peace agreement because it's prophesied. I do not believe Israel should do it. But the Bible says they're going to, and so we have to talk about it. Now, all 22 Arab states, including a future Palestinian state, according to, I-20, uh, according to um, Newsmax, will eventually make peace with Israel because they know that Israel has a lot to offer them and Palestine will likely be the last state, highly likely, to make peace. But the Bible says they will make peace. It's Daniel 9.27, Daniel's 70th week, and it's going to be the final seven years just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. They will be. There will be a peace agreement, and we're watching the ongoing fulfillment of this. I mean, 2,000-year-old prophecy, and now it's in the... Look at every news site in Israel, and they're talking about this thing on a daily basis. And so for some people to say, well, Dave, you know, come on, I don't know if we're really in the end time. Are you kidding me? Folks, we're there. We're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon and we've got to be prepared don't we we've got to make sure that we're born again ready to meet the Lord coming back very soon
1: whether it's a global pandemic threat of war or floundering economies end time events are happening around the world every day how can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty
0: times it's exciting times, isn't it? A lot of people are scared out of their mind over this stuff, but I love this stuff because it lets me know that in just the very near future, the clouds are going to split open and the Lord's going to come back and we're going to go to be with Him. Are you ready for that day? Have you made yourself ready? You say, well, you know, I'm just ambling along here and not really concerned about it. I'm just, you know, I just hope I make it. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. I'm not going to leave my eternal salvation to, I'm just hoping I'll make it. No. The Bible says to prepare yourself. Present your body a living sacrifice, which is just your reasonable service. To prepare yourself to make, to have a great relationship with the Lord. It's the thesis of the Bible. And to make yourself ready, to prepare for that day that's coming. It's called to obey the gospel and so make sure you're born again. Make sure you're ready to go living as a Christian on purpose. So that way when he comes back, the Bible says he's coming back after a church that is for his namesake. And so I want to have his name applied to me. And so it's very, very important that we understand these things. You can't just say, well, I hope I'm going to make it someday. It doesn't work like that. Okay, very important. Now, let me shift gears on you. So much happening prophetically. Luke chapter 17, verse 29 through 30. Bible says, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So according to Luke, just prior to the second coming of Jesus, societal conditions will be just as it was in the days of Lot. Yes, people will be living life as normal, But that isn't the only part of the prophecy. In the end time, these sinful, promiscuous lifestyles will so permeate society that God will have no choice but to judge those who celebrate, participate in, and propagate those sins. Now, you say, wow, Dave, I don't really see that in society. What society are you living in? I'm in America I'm in the United States of America, okay? I know we got people all over the world watching this, but think about this. I live in just north of Dallas, Texas. I'm in we're in Plano right now, so it's city all the way. And you think we don't see this here in Dallas? If you read the news at all, these anti-bible lifestyles are permeating our society. God said it would be like that just prior to His second coming. But let me add some scriptures. 2 Timothy 4, 1-4, through the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound Doctrine, But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Folks, if you read something in the Word of God, you can take that to the bank. You can base your eternal salvation on that. So to read it in the Word of God and then say, Well, I know it says that, but I'm going to do something diametrically opposed to that. No, 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 can't do that. No, we're throwing up red flags here. No, I don't want that in America. I don't want that anywhere in the world. And I certainly don't want that pushed on our children and different things. But the Bible says that it's going to be people that do that. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, the Apostle Paul was saying, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves, people in churches, shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Moving away from the doctrines and the truths taught in Scripture is very, very dangerous, everybody. If it's in the Word of God, that's what we're going to go with. We're not going to move off of that. I'm not going to get some new thing coming down, some new magazine article, some Hollywood personality, some government official that says, here's the way we're going to do things now. If it's diametrically opposed to the Word of God, I'm not in. Count me out. Okay? There's going to be a separation in the end time. Those that will comply and those that say, no, no. I, it's not that I hate people or I want to do wrong to anybody. Don't want to do that. But when it comes to the Bible, folks, that's, that's my line in the sand. And that line's very deep. Because the Bible, that's, what's, that's our roadmap to heaven. Matthew 24, 4 through 5, Jesus said, uh, "Answer them and he said, Take heed that no man deceives you. He's talking about the end time, the end of the age. Take heed, no man deceives you. Many will come even in my name. Saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. I know there are a lot of people claiming to be Christians today that support abortion or that support the LGBTQ lifestyle. And I'm going, what? huh? I don't, that doesn't make any sense here. Okay? 1 Timothy 4:16. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Don't ever just say, I've heard people say recently, well, the doctrines are just um they're divisive, and we're just let's just sweep them under the rug. God will sort all this out. Let's just love each other and get along. I do want to love each other, and I do want to get along. But I'm not going to move off the doctrines of the Bible. Can't do that. The Bible says, Continue in them, for in doing so thou wilt save thyself and them that hear thee. If you want to be influential in people's lives, stick to the Word of God, regardless of what the government, Hollywood, society... I'm sticking to the Word of God. You say, well, you may be in the in the, the minority. Jesus Christ was in the minority, wasn't He? But you're really never in the minority when you've got God on your side. There's a majority. When you've got God on your side, you're in the majority. It may not look like that through physical eyes, but when it comes time for the judgment day, I'm telling you, you're in the majority. Don't ever forget that. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. If God be for me, who could be against me? So I'm sticking on the Word of God. Now, why did I bring this up? Well, there's prophecy in play here. CBS Colorado said that last week, our President Joe Biden signed into law the same-sex same marriage bill. President Joe Biden signed into law. It was last Tuesday, the landmark new federal protections for same-sex and interracial couples. Now, I only, I'm, I'm only bringing up because these are some excerpts from some articles. Interracial marriage, interracial couples, there's nothing in the Bible about that, okay? I'm talking about the same-sex portion of this. Now, the, Bible, uh, the article says, capping both a personal and national evolution, Joe Biden signed this, on an issue that enjoyed growing acceptance over the past decade. Okay, I don't believe that the majority of America, which some people say, is pro-LGBTQ. I, I, I just can't see that happening in America. Now, unless I'm just misinformed here, but I'm in the news all the time, and I know there are a lot of people that are not that are pro-Bible. But Biden signed the... Now, get this. It's called the Respect for Marriage Act. Okay? The Respect for Marriage. Who, who defines marriage? Who defined marriage? Is it just whatever you want to do? Or do we go back to the ultimate book of definitions, the Bible? That sets our moral compass. And God defined marriage between a man and a woman all the way back in the book of Genesis but Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act before thousands of invited guests on the South Lawn at an event at the White House. And he said it, it was said to have reflected the importance of the moment, right? The new law officially voids the Defense of Marriage Act, which said uh, it defined marriage as between a man and a woman. This new law pretty much voids that. And it mandates that states honor the, the validity of out-of-state marriage licenses, including same-sex and uh, interracial unions. Again, I'm not even talking about interracial unions. I'm talking about the same-sex portion of this. I don't even know why they threw interracial unions in here. But as a senator, Biden voted for the Defense of Marriage Act back in 96. Now, think about this as a, as a, political, a politician, a political mind. Biden voted for the Defense of Marriage Act back in 96. And the the bill signed Tuesday amounted to the culmination of his total transformation on this issue. Joe Biden, in Tuesday's event, really bookended a a moment uh, a decade ago that helped spark a national political transformation on the issue because he was serving as vice president, And he shocked the country when an unexpected declaration he said he gave it in an interview back in, uh, it was on NBC's Meet the Press. And he came out in public support of same-sex marriage for the first time. He said this. He said, I'm absolutely comfortable. Now, remember what the Bible says. I want you to think about this. Bible diametrically opposed to this. But Joe Biden said, and I'm quoting here, he said, I am absolutely comfortable with the fact that with men marrying men, women marrying women, heterosexual men and women marrying one another are entitled to the same exact rights, all civil rights, all liberties, civil liberties. And Biden said that when he was asked whether he was comfortable with same-sex marriage. So, what I talk about in the Bible The Bible talked about moving off of doctrines. When you read something in the Bible, eh, they received not a love for the truth. They would move off of the truths in the end time. Take heed that no man deceive you. Many people will come in my name claiming to be Christians, but saying, well, we've evolved on these topics. The Bible, that's just some dust-covered old book of of, uh, fairy tales and wives' tales and mystical stories, and that doesn't apply to us today. And so we've evolved on these topics, and... You know, because of peer pressure and a lot of different things going on in the news, all of that stuff in the Bible doesn't really apply to us, and so uh, we're setting our own moral compass and doing whatever we want because I've wet my finger, I've stuck it in the wind, the political winds, and I know what people want, so that's where the route I'm going to go, and that's what's happening in Washington, D.C. as we speak. Can the Church of God comply with that? Nope. Can't do that. Sorry. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm going to get in that book and I'm going to say, oh, the book says that. Here's what I've got to do. The book says, don't do that. Not going to do that. And that's the thing. Let me touch on this just for a second. A lot of people, I've taught hundreds and hundreds of Bible studies over the years. I've had people say, oh, you know, the book is, the Bible is just rules and regulations. Do's and don'ts. well, there are some don'ts in there. And let me tell you what they're for. They're for your protection. It's not because God's this big ogre sitting on a throne up in heaven saying, ha ha, I'll just control these people to the nth degree and I won't let them do this and that. That's not what it's all about. God knows that there are some things that will destroy you if you go down those paths. It will destroy your marriage if you go down those paths. It will destroy your children if you let them go down those paths. So he says, don't do that stuff. I want you to have a happy, healthy, wonderful life, a successful life. And the principles to have that is in this book, to be happy and to spend eternity with me. Those are the things I want to align my life up to.
2: I've been
3: part of the end time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day.
0: I'm telling you, folks, this is prophecy being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Let me give you another one here before the end of the program. I'll try to do two, may only get one. World religion, Revelation 13, 11 through 12. You understand, Revelation 13, 1 through 8, prophesies about the world government that will be established and its leader, the Antichrist. And it refers to them as the beast, collectively, collectively. Revelation 13, 11, and 12 says this, John said, I beheld another beast come up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as the dragon. Now, this individual here, it's referring to the end-time world religious system and the leader of that world religious system, which will be the false prophet. The Antichrist partner in crime, per se, in the end time. They're going to be to- in total alliance. And verse 12 says this, And he, this second figure, this false prophet individual, over the leader of the world religious system, that all, he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. So he will have the power of the world government behind him plus the power of Satan behind him. Where does the world government derive its power from? The Bible says the dragon gave it its power, seat, and great authority. So the world government derives its power from Satan himself. This verse says this uh, religious individual, you say, but he's religious. He's not going to derive his power from Satan. Oh, yes, he will, because he's the false prophet. He's not a true man of God, he's a false prophet. The Bible says he'll use miracles to deceive them. A true man of God would never use a miracle to deceive somebody. Okay? A true man of God is interested in one thing, and that's getting you and your family to heaven. Okay? But this false prophet, his goal is going to be to do something totally opposite of that. The Bible says in verse uh, Revelation 13 12. That he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and he causes it. This is his goal. He causes the earth and them that that the, and them that um, which dwell therein, the inhabitants of the earth, to worship the first beast, this world government and the antichrist, and thereby worshiping Satan before it's all over with. That is going to be the goal of the. World Religious System in the End Time. Now, we're watching precursors to that as we speak. I wanted to give you kind of a point of interest here, just to kind of get an idea of what's going on. I saw an interview with um, Charlie Kirk and another guy, I can't remember his name, uh, into last week. And they were talking about the, uh, a, a, a um, Gnostic, with a G, Gnostic uh, End Time New World Order type situation. And or the World Economic Forum and how there was like a theology behind it and there was like a spiritual um, foundations behind some of the stuff Klaus Schwab was doing and everything. And they talked about how Rick Warren had been at a World Economic Forum meeting and that he had offered them, he said, hey, the best thing you guys can do is to use the churches to help spread your messages of some of the Um, the pandemic propaganda. And I thought, man, this this is Bible prophecy 101 because the church is being used to bow down and conform to the edicts of the world governing body. So listen to this. This comes from the Capstone Report. Rick Warren promoted churches to fight a pandemic at the World Economic Forum back in 2008. Now, this article was published back in February of 2022. I'm pulling excerpts from the article I want to share with you. Southern Baptist pastor Rick Warren told the globalist of the World Economic Forum. Now, number one, why is he at the World Economic Forum? If you understand the World Economic Forum and what that's all about, why would a pastor of a church be there? But Rick Warren was there back in 2008, and he told the World Economic Forum how to use the church as a partner during a pandemic or a similar emergency, he said, Warren promoted the use of free church volunteers and a universal as a universal distribution site. While at the 2008 World Economic Forum event in Davos, Switzerland, and or maybe it's Davos, Switzerland. I, I, I stand corrected. Warren promoted the church as a one leg of a three legged partnership between government, business, and religion. Okay. And this highlights a recent Daily Wire report showing a, uh, with uh, Ben Shapiro, the Daily Wire. The report showed a link between churches spreading government propaganda during the COVID-19 pandemic. Rick Warren said, while at the World Economic Forum, uh, that he highlighted the globalist talking points, namely that, that the nation state is incapable of solving today's problems. Now, you understand that in the eyes of the international community, they believe... Um, Strobe Talbot said this in a, in an article in Time Magazine years ago, back in 92. The nation-state has is irrelevant, and in the 21st century, all nations will yield up their sovereignty to a one world governing body. Okay? Well, Rick Warren is saying, hey, the nation-states are incapable of solving today's problems... And he continued, he said, these problems are so big, nobody's been able to solve them. The U.S. hasn't solved them. The United Nations hasn't solved them. Nobody's solved them. And he said, so I think it's because it's going to take a three-pronged strategy to do it. There is a role for the public sector, there's a role for the private sector, and there's a role for the faith sector. And this is an interesting call for partnerships between government, business, and the church And it's certainly the path used during the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, we all know the public-private partnership between government, big pharma, big tech during the pandemic. What many did not know was the government's use of the church to promote COVID-19 propaganda. There was a video that revealed why the World Economic Forum, governments, big businesses might be interested in church distribution. Rick Warren says, hey, there's a role for the public sector, there's a role for the private sector, and there's a role for the faith sector. Each of them can do something that none of the other three can do. Government has a role to set agenda. Government has a role to set priorities and things like that to move nations. And there are some things that only governments can do. Businesses have a role, which they have to bring enterprise, uh, and uh, to bring expertise, bring investments. They all bring some kind of innovations to the market. But then also, houses of worship, have things that businesses and governments will never have. He said, in the first place, we have universal distribution. The church has uh, been global 200 years before Davos ever started talking about globalization. And he continued explaining the appeal of using faith groups and, um, lo- and uh, as a local authority. He said, um, and he says this, and he also said on the video... And I watched the video, and he said that he was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. You understand what that means, who the Council on Foreign Relations is and what they're trying to do. But he said on a World Economic Forum video, he said, and I'm quoting, he said, you see, he said, you see there are 600 million Buddhists in the world. There are 800 million Hindus in the world. There are billions of Muslims. There is a uh, over a billion Muslims in the world, and there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world. So he said, if you take people of faith out of the equation, you've ruled out five-sixths of the world. said. So we have to mobilize this, faith groups, to do work together on these issues that have been unsolvable, and the church has a course, of course, the greatest distribution. So, using the church to push pandemic propaganda in the end time? No. Can't do that. Come on. And if you understand really the, the you know, I don't understand all the ins and outs of the propaganda and, and how far reaching it was. I know that people did pass away from it and that it could have been, you know, it, it could have been propagated uh, for them to further the, the great reset. And even though some dear people very close to me lost their lives because of that, uh, of COVID, and so... But when you talk about the church propagating some of that stuff and spreading their propaganda, you, you come on. But the Bible says there's going to be a world religion established in the end time and the goal of the leader of that will be to, to garner the, the, um, garner the uh, influence of the religions, to garner their obedience and to get them to bow down to this world-governing body. That's what the goal of it's going to be. It's Revelation 13, 11, and 12. And can we see that happening in our world right now? Better believe it. I mean, imagine a very popular, very influential faith leader going to the World Economic Forum and saying, Hey, use the churches as a method of distribution to get your messages out. you got to be kidding me. And so I, I don't really know Rick Warren, but I mean any faith leader, not just Rick Warren. He was the one that I saw in the, in the article. But any faith leader that would go to the World Economic Forum and say, Hey, you can use my church or my, all, my influence over churches to uh, garner the allegiance of the religions and get them on board with this uh, world governing agenda platform. No, I can't be a part of that can't do it, can't do it, and so we've got to be we've got to be aware of what's going on in the world, folks, because there are things in the end that you definitely will want to be a part of, but there are other things you cannot be a part of this stuff. you don't want to be sucked up into this world religion. Um, Doug Norvell and I were going back and forth over a document that somebody sent us of many religious individuals, college professors in these seminaries and different Bible colleges and things around the world that are um, trying to sign people onto a a unity of faiths, trying to get everybody on board with stuff. Let's all join and just get along. And, you know, the doctrines that have divided us all these years, let's just push them under the rug. And let's just all have unity. And I'm all about unity. Unity but not to the point where I would do it um, under a false narrative of, well, let, you know, I know the Bible says that, but let's just, let's not pay any attention to that. Let's just all have unity and love and all get along. God wants us to have unity and love and all get along. Absolutely. But I can have unity and love with you and not pitch the Bible in a trash can, right? Can't do that. I want to go to heaven. And so I'm not going to be a part of any world religious movement that wants me to overlook Scripture to be a part of that. I cannot do that. I can't lead people astray for my own agendas. I'm not pushing my agenda. I'm pushing Jesus' agenda. I'm pushing the kingdom of God. That's the agenda we're pushing here at End Time Ministries. If you want to know what we do, that's what we're doing. I'm pushing His agenda Every single day, because guess what, his agenda will get you to heaven, and that's what I'm pushing here. Never going to move off of that. Never going to move off of teaching and preaching the truth. You say, "Well, again, you guys are in the minority." Nah. When I have my hands in Jesus's hands, I'm always in the majority. You've always got to remember that, and don't move off of the Word of God. It's very, very important. So. I've got so much more I could go through today. I know we're coming up to an end here, but I want to make sure you all understand there are some do's and don'ts in the end time, and we're going to keep you abreast of every situation and all of the prophecies that are coming to pass because it's in great detail. Why did God allow us to understand these things so we would know how close it is before he comes and to be able to instruct others to prepare them for the soon return of Jesus Christ to this earth? God bless.